And sports plays a somewhat unique role in society, and it's one reason I think addressing sports and religious freedom is so important, in that sports is one of very few places left, for example, in American society, where we come together with all of our differences and we can play a game together. We can cheer for our team together. If that shared civic space is lost, we have a lot to lose in society itself. Welcome back to Lecture Me, an FRC podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Mangiarachina. Jennifer S. Bryson is the founder of Let All Play, a sports advocacy project. She's the author of the 2019 report, Let All Play, Yes to Soccer, No to Politics, about the use of political symbols such as the LGBT rainbow on uniforms in international soccer. She wrote the current international Citizen Go petition to FIFA against the use of political symbols in soccer. She also worked at the Religious Freedom Institute in Washington, D.C. She has a BA from Stanford, an MA, and a PhD from Yale, and is currently studying international sports law. In 2017 and 2018, the U.S. men's and women's soccer teams required players to wear an LGBT rainbow on the national USA jersey. A Christian player declined to wear the jersey and thus did not play. Using soccer as a case study, Dr. Jennifer Bryson, the founder of Let All Play, will discuss the religious freedom issues at stake in the management of U.S. and international sports. She will also examine the manner in which the politicization of sports threatens America's civic fabric. I'd like to thank the Family Research Council for the opportunity to talk with you today about this. So why this intersection of sports and religious freedom? First, it may sound a little odd, but I think it's important for a few different reasons. First, from the angle of sports, sports play a huge role in the lives of populations all over the world. And here in America, for many Americans, not only those who play sports, but also fans, and I'm one of them. Also, religious freedom is important on its own, but also because sports brings together so many people, the diversity of human society is going to meet where you've got that many different people together. And sports plays a somewhat unique role in society, and it's one reason I think addressing sports and religious freedom is so important, in that sports is one of very few places left, for example, in American society, where we come together with all of our differences, and we can play a game together. We can cheer for our team together. If that shared civic space is lost, we have a lot to lose in society itself. When I talk about sports today, I put this slide together for those of you who aren't um, as sports obsessed as a few of us might be, to understand that there's a few different realms of sports. And I'm gonna be talking about all three today, but they need to be considered sometimes somewhat differently. So we have international sports. That's when Team USA plays Team Sweden as will happen tomorrow in the Women's World Cup in soccer. Also, international sports are the Olympics, where the teams are based on nation states competing with each other. Or the Badminton World Cup, which is organized again by nation state. And yes, there is a Badminton World Cup. <laughs> Professional sports. Professional sports are for-profit enterprises that are owned by an individual and the players are paid money. And so professional leagues, Major League Baseball, the NFL, the National Women's Soccer League, the Bundesliga, Premier League, 
These have teams with players from many different countries. And they need to be differentiated somewhat from when a team is representing a country. And lastly, we have a category I call local amateur sports. These can be, uh, these are players who play not for money. Um, and this is uh, your college team, your um, local middle school team, um, a community league, um, intramural um, softball here in DC or Little League. Now, another point about religion and why it actually is relevant to think about in sports is because religion plays such a huge role in people's lives around the world. This is the, uh, was the logo for the FIFA 2018 World Cup that was held in Russia. And this language is from the FIFA website and the design of the 2018 logo was inspired by Russian icon paintings because Icon paintings are a huge tradition in Russian culture, and when people come to sports, they bring their entire selves along. So there's a lot more intersections with religion and sports than people sometimes think. But there are also points of conflict, and I'd like to start by explaining the two catalysts that got me interested in this issue. In 2011, I was following the Olympic qualifying matches, that my greatest sports love is women's soccer. And I also have a PhD in Arabic and Islamic studies, and I was working at the time in religious freedom work. So when I heard that in a match between Jordan and Iran, a referee said to the Iranian team, which had, an, uh, the women had an Islamic head cover um, as part of the team uniform for religious reasons, the referee said, you have to take that off or you can't play. The team chose, instead of taking it off, to say our faith is more important than the soccer game, we're going to withdraw from the match and withdraw from the possibility of getting to Pete in the Olympics. And Iran's women's soccer team is traditionally pretty good. Um, they, they definitely had a chance to make it to the Olympics, and they chose not to. Now, this was a referee decision, and as I started to research and look into this, part of the problem is the FIFA regulations were poorly written. They were clearly written for Europeans, where Christianity was the only language, and the referee was not prepared to think about how to deal with this. So FIFA went through several years of evaluating the question of religious headgear and uniforms, went through a two-year trial period, looked through the two key issues, which are safety and fairness. Safety can be solved by design. For example, there are athletic hijabs that have a Velcro release. These are also used by police departments that allow a hijab with police uniforms. And then fairness. So long as religious headgear is not giving somebody an advantage over other players. And if anything, you've got to play with um, wearing more, which could be more difficult. So once they had studied this for two years, FIFA changed its regulations and now allows religious headgear with uniforms. And this made a difference also for Sikh men and Orthodox Jewish men. Um, Israeli minor league soccer changed its rules to allow Orthodox men to play wearing a kippah after FIFA changed its rules. And this meant that more could be welcome to play sports together. Now, if I were giving this talk in 2011 or 2013, I could spend an entire hour on this question of religious garb um, 
and uh, sports, but today we've got a new challenge. In May of 2017, again, following women's soccer as I was, I saw a press release from the U.S. Soccer Federation stating that players would be required to wear an LGBT rainbow on the USA uniform. Now, this is that category of international soccer where nations are playing nations. And so this was for Team USA representing the country in international play. And that this would be for the men and the women in the whole month of June. And I thought, but what if someone doesn't want to wear it? And I thought, hey, that's not fair. And sports should be about fairness. So I began researching this and looking into this. And after that, I heard about Jaylene Hinkle, whom Sarah mentioned, uh, who plays now for the North Carolina Courage. She declined to wear it. I'm going to talk later in the uh, presentation in more detail about her case and what's happening with this issue. But that's how I got into this. So it's important to realize religious freedom has two parts to it. It includes the freedom to say yes, the freedom for an individual to say yes to the, their faith. For example, a Sikh man who chooses to wear a turban, um, he, this is a picture of him in uh, high school in New Jersey. He went on to play baseball for Boston College as an American. Um, in the middle is Asma al-Bedawi. She was born in Sudan, raised in the UK, um, does tons there with girls and women's basketball. And she led the international campaign to get the International Basketball Association, called FIBA, to change its regulations on religious headgear. And this has also helped a number of American women who are Muslim who play competitively in basketball. And then um, on the far, on your far right is a Jewish player um, who played basketball for Northwestern. And he can come to the game fully as who he is. <coughs> Religious freedom also includes a right to say no. So here's an example of the Egyptian goalie in the 2018 game of Egypt versus Uruguay. Egypt lost the game, but his performance was so fantastic in the game that he received the recognition of man of the match. But Budweiser had an agreement with FIFA to have Budweiser sponsor the man of the match competition. And the award was this um, red item with Bud on it. And the presentation for the award was given by Budweiser. The goalie, as a Muslim, um, his religion uh, is opposed to all drinking, all drinking alcohol by Muslims. He felt that it would be inappropriate for him to receive this award with the name of an alcohol company recognizing the alcohol company. He graciously you know, said thank you for the acknowledgement, but he chose not to participate in the award ceremony. So I'm going to talk today specifically about two aspects of sports and religious freedom. The first is profit, and the second will be players. With profit, it's, I'm going to focus a little bit more on why we need to be careful never to cry wolf. That sometimes when there's conflicts with religion in sport, it's not necessarily because of a situation of persecution or violation of religious freedom. We need to realize that in professional sports, a lot of decision making is happening based on money. So this first case is a particularly also interesting one, I think. 
So there's two huge soccer teams I'm going to talk about. One is Real Madrid, and the other is its rival, very intense rival, Barcelona. The Madrid logo, as you can see um, up in the slide, it has a little cross on the top of the crown. A uh, company purchased rights to sell Real Madrid gear. It's a very popular team, make a lot of money, in six uh, Arab Middle East countries. And they put the logo on the gear without the little cross. Now I saw some claim that this was because the laws of these countries forbade Christian symbols and this was oppressive to Christians. But as journalists started to write about this, we saw a few things happening. One of them is I think that Reuters needs to give its sports journalists a little more training in religion. Because Reuters reported the redesign of the crest would require only a minor change. The original features a very small Christian cross at the top of a crown on the crest. Well, for Christians, I don't think the physical size of the cross uh, changes how relevant or meaningful it is. So uh, the fact that it was taken off didn't matter that it was a teeny little thing on the logo. But it's important to recognize that there were other countries in the region that had rights to sell Real Madrid gear and they had the full logo on it, such as in the UAE. So what happened in this case was that the company thought they would make more money by selling it without the logo. I don't know how on earth Real Madrid agreed to sign this contract, um, and I have a friend who switched his loyalty and no longer follows Real Madrid and also no longer buys Real Madrid gear, but it was a business decision. And we see other business decisions where religious symbols stay on. And this is from uh, Barcelona. From 2013 to 2017, their sponsor was Qatar Airways. And the Barcelona logo has the red cross of St. George on a white background because St. George is a patron saint of Catalan. And FIFA allows an exception um, regarding uh, religious symbols in crests or logos that are for a nation um, or a region or a city. But here it's important to realize that a country needs to register its patch um, and teams need to register their patch officially with the soccer authorities. So they can't just go willy-nilly change it and say, oh, we decided today that this different political symbol is gonna be our symbol. Also, a company sold um, a kippah uh, for young Jewish boys and men um, who want to support their team. Fans love their teams, um, and, it has, and it has the full logo on it. And one last note about profit. Uh, since I got into this work, a number of people have asked me about so-called affinity events at sports. For example, when a team hosts uh, first responders night. Some of them are, I think we would say, pretty apoliticals, recognizing those in the community. But we also see a lot of teams now host pride night. And I think we need to recognize that the teams are doing this to make money. These are professional sports that are businesses. 
and it's optional whether or not to participate. If that makes you uncomfortable, my recommendation is don't buy a ticket. And I also, because teams are getting more and more uh, political in what they're doing with Affinity Nights, I think that we need to, um, if fans have uh, season tickets, they should consider approaching their team and asking for an opt-out option. If the team hosts an Affinity Night that they're uncomfortable with, they should have an option to get a refund for the tickets for those nights and not attend. And if, there's a, if you would like to see your team host affinity nights that you're a fan of, when your team does, make sure to show up. So for example, the Washington Nationals in DC host Pride Night in June, and in September they host Faith Day. An atheist might be uncomfortable with Faith Day. Okay, they don't need to attend. But this is fundamentally different from the situation I'm gonna talk about next, where teams take the theme of whatever the affinity night is and require players to wear it on their jerseys or their uniforms or on their equipment. So next about the individual players. I'm gonna start off the field and we'll gradually get closer to the field and then the players. This is a situation now, a legal case going on in Australia. The very um, prominent Australian rugby player, Israel Folau, is a Pentecostal Christian. And he posted this on Instagram. Now, um, most of the news media coverage of it only shared this half, the graphic, which is black, uh, with the sort of, um, I think it has a menacing look to it. They didn't share the picture that shows that he's quoting Galatians 5, 19 through 21 and cites his quotation. Now, in my own personal opinion, I don't think that Fulau handled this with wisdom. I think he could have made his case and expressed his faith concerns in other way. That's my opinion. But he was fired from his team um, and was told that he would not be playing on Australia's national team in the Rugby World Cup this year for expressing his faith on Instagram. So sports is becoming a realm where uh, the, the political sensitivities about issues, especially in the sexual revolution, is, is making it increasingly difficult for people from traditional religions to get to participate. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes of the legal case going on. The judge right now is trying to get the parties to settle um, outside of court in Australia. Now, what about when players are on their way to the field? This photo is from the Maryland Soccerplex in June 2018. And the Maryland Soccerplex is where our DC area professional women's soccer team, the Washington Spirit, plays. During Pride Month, they changed the color of the ramp that the players come down. It's usually red, which is a team color. They changed it to the LGBT rainbow. And the players who are in the starting lineup meet over by where those tractors are. The players um, ha have child escorts and they're usually children who are in elementary school, usually girls' soccer teams, one professional player to one child player, and they hold hands together. And then, uh, you can imagine you're you know, in the fan seat sitting over here. 
the fans, there's a whole ceremony that starts, and the teams march down the ramp and onto the field before the game starts. Well, in this situation, players didn't have a choice. This is, in a way, a, a, what I would call coerced affirmation of the symbol. Um, and another thing that's interesting and needs to be considered in sports regulations is the sports regulations consider what's on the player, what's on the field, but they're, and they consider like in soccer what's in the technical area, which is a very specifically defined space, but they're ambiguous around the edges of the field. Also, in this case, nobody objected, nobody said no, so who knows in 2019 if we'll now see more um, parts of the field even uh, in LGBT rainbow. So now on the field. Here is a photo from Toronto, June 7th, 2019, from their Twitter feed. And the corner flag that's used in soccer is often white. Sometimes it'll have a symbol for a tournament. But in this case, it's um, an LGBT rainbow flag. And in the report that I wrote, uh, that's a 30-page report on political symbols and, and soccer uniforms, I, and also uh, field equipment, there's a gap in what's called the laws of the game. Um, and whoever wrote the rules for corner flags, I, I think it just didn't even occur to them that somebody was going to start using the real estate of that corner flag for a political symbol. And so I think the laws need to be amended to extend the ban on political symbols beyond player equipment to the field equipment. Now, we're seeing it also on the equipment that the players use in the game. And this, on this slide, I have examples of the two main issues we're seeing about politicization in sports. One is, on the right, you can see the Edmonton Oilers with LGBT rainbow tape. And they had every single player was told that they would put LGBT rainbow tape on their stick. And this was for a skills competition the Oilers had. On this side, we have the Boston Bruins. And you can't see the picture very well, but I couldn't find a clearer picture that I could use. But in this game, the Boston Bruins players, all of them, had a military camouflage hockey stick. And it was like service member recognition night. And that's another type of symbol we're seeing more and more commonly placed on player equipment and on jerseys. I love the US military. I'm proud and feel privileged that I got to work for the Department of Defense um, as a civilian for six years and also for a year as a contractor. I'm here speaking to you today freely because our military protects our country so that we have freedom of speech and a peaceful society here so that we can go about our jobs and organize events like this. However, I don't think that placing military images on the equipment or jerseys of professional athletes is an appropriate use of player gear or the jersey. Professional teams, remember, are recruit players from all over the world. Not all the players on the team are American. There are soccer teams, and I'll show you another example, a baseball team that will put the military um, images on the jersey. 
Consider the situation of an American soccer player. The Chinese men's leagues, and now starting somewhat their women's leagues, are recruiting more and more foreign players. Imagine an American player gets an opportunity to, or a contract to play for a team in, I don't know, Shanghai. Exciting professional opportunity. Um, if your dream has been to be a professional athlete, there aren't a lot of opportunities in the world, and here you get to pursue your dream. And you want to be part of Team Shanghai. And you're going there, you're going there to play soccer. And the contract is about playing soccer for the team. Well, what if this professional team in China were to require all the players on their team to wear a logo one night of the Chinese military? Would that be fair to that American player? I think that we need to keep sports for sports. And if, mil if sports teams want to have events where they have a flyover, where they have extra recognition for the military at the event, um, where they have also extra recognition by offering discounts to veterans and military families and active duty personnel, I think that's fantastic. But I draw the line at requiring every single player on the team to endorse what's going on for Affinity Night. And the same with the LGBT rainbow. It doesn't belong on player gears or, uh, next, as we'll see next, on the uniforms. And here's an example of the Mets in 2014 uh, using uh, military camo on the uniform for a service recognition night. And this is also a matter for coaches and referees. Whether it's the military logo or the LGBT rainbow, um, also there are efforts to require the referees to wear whatever the, sim the logo of the symbol of the night is, to require coaches. Um, the Patriots coach, in, a, in November 2018, in a game that they had with, uh, the, um, uh, with Wisconsin, um, with the Green Bay Packers, uh, it was like service member recognition night, but and the uh, Wisconsin coach had on, uh, the Green Bay Packers coach had on um, some kind of military green gear to recognize, but coach um, Bilicek from um, the Patriots did not, and he was criticized for this, and he said, look, I'm here to coach football. I wear the same thing to every game. Um, so, uh, so I just think that this use of using players and also referee and coach bodies as billboards is getting pushed too far. Next. So now I'm gonna talk uh, with a number of slides on the issue of the LGBT rainbow on soccer uniforms because soccer is the sport where I've studied this the most. And I'm gonna spend time on this because this is, hot, this is so widespread. And also, this is an area where we're seeing pushback and we're seeing people all over the world say, wait a minute, I want soccer, not politics. So in 2017, uh, there's a, there was an incident or a, an issue with this in Russia. EA Sports is a company that makes a very, very popular, very lucrative video game. And they, it's called FIFA and then whatever the year is. And they make a new version of it each year. So in 2017, the game was FIFA 17. And EA Sports offered, added an option in which video game players could dress the players on their team in an LGBT rainbow uh, uniform. And several members of the Russian parliament 
wrote a letter to the uh, communications um, department of Russia to complain um, that this violated Russian law because Russian law bans promotion of uh, what I think Russia called sexual devi deviancy to minors. And this game was being marketed to youth. So here we're seeing pushback. Next. 2017 also, we start to see this happening on real live players. The USA team began in Pride Month, uh, June 2017, doing this. And then also in 2018, and the press release in 2018 said that this was to, quote, celebrate LGBTQ Pride Month, unquote. They weren't, they weren't ambiguous about this. Um, and the players uh, weren't given a choice. Also in 2018, the Republic of Ireland had their men's team in international play during Pride Month wear an LGBT rainbow on the journey, Jersey. And interestingly, they stated that the reason they were doing this was for supporting LGBT rights. Rights are uh, in law by the government um, and are a political issue in case there's ambiguity about whether or not this is a political symbol. But there have been refusals. Jaylene Hinkle, whom Sarah mentioned, um, in May 2018, she did an interview with a Christian, uh, with Christian Broadcasting Network. And in that, previously in 2017, she had bowed out of the game, uh, bowed out of being called up to the national team and said it was for personal reasons. Think about how much pressure players on teams are under. This is a soccer team. All the emphasis on be, is being a team together. So this is specifically an environment where there's a lot of pressure not to rock the boat. So she didn't want to make a big deal of it. But in May 2018, she said in this interview explicitly that it was because of her Christian faith that she felt she shouldn't essentially endorse the symbol by wearing it. Her next game uh, with her professional team, the North Carolina Courage, happened to be in Portland. And the Portland fans organized a harassment campaign against her. They made signs mocking her statement that it had been personal reasons, writing that in LGBT rainbow letters. When her name was announced in the starting lineup, she's a fantastic midfielder. Yes, she was a starter. They booed her. And they had a coordinated booing campaign throughout the game. They booed every time she touched the ball. The US Soccer Federation did nothing. FIFA did nothing. Also, a Croatian player uh, who plays professionally in Germany at the highest level of men's professional soccer, one of the highest in the Bundesliga, he plays in uh, Wolfsburg. And last year, they decided uh, that the team captain in soccer, the team captain on the field wears an armband, so the referee knows who the team captain is. They decided for the whole season to have the team captain wear an LGBT rainbow armband. This violates FIFA's rules, but nobody did anything about colors and no symbols. When he was called up to captain the team, which is an honor and also is good for his career, 
He declined because he didn't want to wear an LGBT rainbow armband. And he said it was because of his Catholic faith. And he expressed others can lead their lives the way they want to. He felt that he shouldn't be required to affirm something that he disagrees with. He was harassed. Um, it was a very negative campaign against him. And then in 2019, when the uh, Wolfsburg team did about a three-week series that they called Diversity Weeks uh, that was funded by Volkswagen, they decided to have every single on the every single player on the team be required to wear the LGBT rainbow in the middle of the uniform. And that hashtag there in Germany, Vielfalt, means diversity. But that diversity doesn't include religious players. Um, and in this case, Bercalo is a great player. He wore the jersey. He's got a multi-million dollar contract. He's young. He wanted to play. And how, part of how I got involved in this was realizing that the players who are in these incredibly high-pressured situations, many of them are very young, they're often in their early 20s, they're not lawyers, they don't know what to do, and also they're under so much pressure. I realized somebody outside of that immediate environment needed to try to do something. That's why I began to study the issue and write the report I did. In soccer, the, what we'd often call the uniform is called the kit. And as defined by the laws of the game, the kit has five elements. The shirt, the shorts, socks, shin guards, and shoes. Thus, cleats are part of the uniform. In 2017, the English women's team, in an international game, required all the players on the team to wear LGBT rainbow laces. To, um, and also, this is an issue that is now quite widespread in professional uh, soccer, but this is something where we're now starting to see it in local American communities, and parents need to be aware of this. There is a campaign in the United States called Rainbow Laces Week. In 2019, it will be entering its third week. It's usually the third week of September. It's third year, I'm sorry. The, and it's usually the third week of September. It's run by the um, LGBT advocacy group inside uh, the United Coaches, which is essentially the Coaches Association in the US. In 2018, they said they handed out 70,000 pairs of LGBT rainbow laces. And what they do for the week is the coaches bring the laces and tell the children, you will wear this, these on your laces, everybody as part of the team uniform, um, because we're going to have everybody, all of you on the team need to show that you are, quote, from their language, LGBT allies. Uh, this is happening in middle schools and high schools, also colleges. This has been going on uh, for eight to 10 years off and on, but it's now um, very organized. And I have not seen any evidence that this program requires the coaches to notify the parents that they're going to do this um, or ask for parental permission. This is the report I wrote. It's available at letallplay.org. And it details the soccer rules. In this, I also address uh, why it is that individuals would be concerned about the LGBT rainbow. Because FIFA has a long explanation of what political symbol means, and that includes a symbol that may be likely to offend. And so I have several pages in the report with examples of how this symbol may be offensive. And it's not just religious players. 
So I outline uh, the examples of Christians publicly objecting. Also, there are cases of Muslims who have objected to the LGBT rainbow on soccer gear. But also there's a secular reason, and that is the spread of transgenderism into soccer, which particularly is threatening to soccer for girls and women. If you um, are going to start allowing boys and men who simply say, I identify as a boy, I identify as a woman to play. It's unfair and it's also, it's also dangerous. Soccer is a contact sport. And if you're suddenly going to have an individual on the field who is most likely uh, larger, stronger, greater endurance, this is not fair. And so players should not be required to wear a symbol on the uniform that is a threat to the sport itself. And this is not only for soccer for girls and women, this is also for soccer for boys and men. We have um, men who, just out of decency and caring for human welfare, are concerned about the threat that transgenderism poses to women's sports. We've also got men who have sisters, men with daughters, who don't want to see women's sports ruined. They shouldn't be required to wear a symbol that threatens the sport itself. This is the passage from soccer's laws of the game. Equipment must not have any political, religious, or personal slogans, statements, or images. Now I have some bad news. June 2nd this year, FIFA began using the, a new version, updated version of the rules. They often are updated each year. From the International Football Association Board, IFAB. And the 2019-2020 version in the explanation of law 4.5 now used to say that you could only have additional symbols if they were about soccer. So for example, about the tournament or about uh, the soccer league. Because FIFA at least used to be in the business of promoting soccer. Now they allow an exception for quote equality or integrity. Now, who defines what equality or integrity mean? Um, and I would also like to know, is FIFA in the business of promoting soccer or social engineering? So this creates an ambiguity, but I still think a very strong case to be made that the LGBT rainbow political symbol violates the rules of soccer. And before closing, I, getting close to the end, I want to comment on an important issue. And Americans are often unaware, uh, and fortunately unaware, because we usually have very pleasant culture at our soccer games, that in other parts of the world, there sometimes can be really terrible fan behavior. And in some parts of the world, there's a real problem with degrading treatment and degrading language towards others based on sexuality and other minority issues. This shouldn't be going on. Soccer has an interest in stopping this. And in the report, um, I detail that FIFA has an anti-discrimination program. It has five pillars set up. And FIFA is active in pursuing all five pillars at once. FIFA has mechanisms to counter this awful fan behavior without saying that they need to go to the step of promoting tolerance and diversity by requiring players to wear this on the uniform. There's another way to do this. So I have five areas of action options that I've, I can see in this situation. Parents, 
prepare your children with how to respond if a coach says, tells them they need to wear LGBT rainbow laces. How to be grace, graceful and also to help the children understand their own beliefs and what this symbol means in relation to their own beliefs. Know where to find the rules for your children's sport. And if you've got to approach your um, child's sport team, then my recommendation is to pivot and make the discussion about the sport, not about the symbol. Say, I think that together, no matter what disagreements we have in politics, we agree on wanting to support the sport, whether it's lacrosse, soccer, baseball, football. Let's do what's best for the sport and for the children to have the opportunity to play the sport. And here's what the rules of the sport say about political symbols. Sports ministries, I think, really need to start taking this issue seriously. The athletes, coaches, and referees they minister to are going to be the ones facing pressure on these issues. And in all honesty, in my experience, I've tried to contact many sports ministries about my work. And in about 85 to 90% of the cases, I've gotten silence and disinterest. And the few that I've had contact with have said, oh, that's interesting, but we don't do politics. Well, <laughs> you, you don't have a choice. Politics is coming to you. Um, and it's going to put your players in a very difficult position. And also learning how to handle this is also an opportunity of witness. I mean, Jaylene Hinkle's Witness of Courage, I think, is amazing. And also that she handled it with graciousness. Um, so sports ministries are on the front line, and this issue is coming at them. They need to learn what's going on. Nonprofit organizations, such as Family Research Council, maybe, or perhaps one of the law firms working on religious freedom issues, somebody needs to provide resources to equip athletes, parents, and coaches. My let all play work I do as a volunteer on the side. I have a full-time job that's completely separate from this, and also I'm not a lawyer. I'd love to work on this full-time, but it's also going to require uh, a donor to have a heart for this issue, to fund this kind of work, to help equip people in how to respond. Congress. Congress can at least hold hearings. Is it appropriate that we have a political symbol on our USA jersey? I don't know, does Congress need to pass what I call the Red, White, and Blue Act so that our uniforms for our nation and in international sports are red, white, and blue? That used to be just assumed common sense, but we're now at a state in the country where that's not common sense. And for you today, I have uh, my last slide is your homework. If this issue is um, of interest to you and you care and you want to do something, here's one option of action you can take. I've started an international petition to FIFA at citizengo.org, and the petition is for no political symbols on the uniform. Regardless of what the symbol is, just no political symbols. And at the CitizenGo website, you just go up to the upper right-hand corner, English United States. The petition is now available also in Spanish, and in the coming months, it'll be in 10 more languages as local countries uh, launch the petition. So you're welcome to join and add your voice. Today, we're in the studio with Om Narayan, FRC staffer and in-house sports expert. 
Ohm. How are you doing, my man? Matt, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good. So today's Wednesday, so we're actually in the World Series right now, the Washington Nats. What's tonight's game? Tonight's game two. Two. Eight oh seven start as yeah. it currently stands. They're up one game to nothing. They won last night five to four. All right. Well, by the time people hear this, let's hope that they're still in the game. No, here's hoping. Yeah. So we're so what is it? There are two tonight's away, and then I think we've got a couple more that are here after. Well, so the way it works is it's a two three two series. So right. they got one more game in Houston. They got tomorrow off, and then two for sure in DC, and one more necess- if necessary nice. on Sunday. I was so. thinking about buying tickets, and then I looked it up and realized. I'm not the kind of person willing. Yeah, do you have an extra thousand dollars laying around? I do not. No. So that's probably not going to happen. Most of us don't. <laughs> Dr. Bryson, let's get into what she yeah, she absolutely. had a lot of good stuff to say. I follow a lot of what she talked about was soccer, and I what I've really followed is football. You, of course, follow basically every sport under the sun. Although soccer is probably the one that you follow the least, but all these principles that we're talking about, I think they apply to really all sports in general, but especially, you know, the ones that have the largest amounts of money flowing through them. So the the basic idea that she's talking about is that if civic space is lost, this is what she said, quote, if that civic space is lost, meaning in the sports, that we have a lot to lose in society overall. So someone like me who watches sports, or, or let's say people who watch sports, and they're not really political at all, a lot of them, when I talk to them, think that's not, it's not an issue because for one, I guess because they're not into politics, they don't see how, okay, they just want to put a flag on their jersey or on a hockey stick and it's really not that big of a deal. But she thinks there's a lot at stake. What do you, what do you think about all that? Well, Dr. Bryson's absolutely right, Matt. The issue isn't about necessarily, well, it's just a flag or just a symbol. It's, it's, it's a type of forced inculcation into our society and mm-hmm. the uh, sports world that we live in. You know, there are millions of Americans that watch sports, millions of people all over the world that watch sports that don't necessarily subscribe to the forced affirmation thought process of some people who wish to promote a certain mm-hmm. political agenda, and yeah. in this case, the LGBT agenda into sports. Yes. Like, okay, so LGBT, that's really the biggest one she talks about is having a flag. She had so many examples. There was having the LGBT flag on jerseys. There was this soccer field that I th- is actually nearby in D.C., I think, where they have to walk over a rainbow basically onto the field. And that's like the idea of the... force. Right. So there's the idea of force coercion. There's the idea of being able to say no to participating in things like there was the I think he was a Sikh or a Muslim who refused to accept this award that had Budweiser on it because they don't drink alcohol and that sort of thing. So all these things are at stake. One of the things, it was interesting how she said, right, the EA in their FIFA game had the option to choose the LGBT jersey and that Russia wrote that letter where they're saying this is promoting sexual deviancy. I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, maybe you don't agree with it, but that seems like a little bit too far. Do you really think that the consequences of this are that it's just adding to this idea of promoting sexual deviancy in culture? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, I'll take what the Russian government says with a grain of salt on those things, <laughs> yeah. but, um, or maybe large troughs of salt. But in principle, the issue is more about, as I iterated previously, the forcing upon the fans, the, the culture, the society, this kind of idea that the more we put LGBT symbols and LGBT, I guess you could even call them LGBT artifacts, if you will, inside our sports arenas, in merchandising as well. I'll tell you, during the Major League Baseball season, if I can switch gears really quick for a minute <laughs> here, June is so-called LGBT Pride Month. Every team, in, their third team is Major League Baseball, right? Every single team changed their logo to some form of the LGBT Pride, and they all hosted an LGBT Pride Month, and all their merchandising is uh, became LGBT Pride. So it became a situation where fans who maybe had a conscious issue with this 
couldn't remove themselves from it. And I think that if we want to go back to what the Russian government said about EA Sports promoting LGBT pride, I think that's what the crux of it is, that it's more about this kind of concept that if we can push something so so deep into the culture, then they can achieve relevance in what it is there the political agenda that they're trying right, to push. Right, It's because people will say, uh, and I think Price might have touched on this briefly, was that there's the idea of, well, everything's about making money. If they could insert some kind of advocacy pet project into sports that's going to make the money, that they'll do it, but that this isn't even something that's necessarily going to make a lot of money because of the popularity isn't really what they were saying, and so that it is more political, which would make it seem like it's more insidious. But one of the things that she touched on that I thought was the most interesting was that She's talking about the Boston Bruins, and then in hockey, they had those hockey sticks where there was a sticker of some kind that promoted military service. It was like service recognition. It was a service recognition uh, stamp, right. essentially. Right, and so Dr. Bryson is saying that despite it being the military of the country that they're in, it's still a problem and that we shouldn't put any of these in there because if we allow something like that, then it also means that we need to allow these other politicized things that are obviously a problem society for people who have these beliefs like Christians do. But the other side of that could be that, well, this is, if you're on a team in the United States of America and you want to promote the American military, well, that's a, a totally different matter. And I can see like where they're coming from. What do you think about that idea? Right. Well, you know, I, I tend to agree with you and I, I do kind of see both sides here. So I'm going to take a bit of a neutral stance, but I do see on the one hand, if you're playing, for example, for an American team, sure, not all of the players are American necessarily, but patriotism isn't something that should be politicized in the first place, right? So mm -hmm. theoretically, if you have a, a team that's playing in America, you would presumably want to promote military country patriotism, things like this. At the same token, what I think Dr. Bryson was trying to say when she said that was that doing stuff like that leaves the door open for LGBT activists to place things like rainbow right. flags on hockey sticks or place them on merchandising and stuff like right. that. Right. Mm -hmm. The problem is that the LGBT issue is very clearly a political issue. Right. Patriotism isn't. Respect for the military really shouldn't be. I would hope mm -hmm. that people along the, both sides of the aisle can agree on something like that, whereas right. the LGBT issue is obviously not. Right. That's something that I talk to friends. I don't know if you've ever talked to anyone about this. The separation between the idea of LGBT versus people who don't necessarily agree with that as a political movement yet they still are attracted to the same gender, but they don't want to have anything to do with that. You know, for example, Christians who, who are attracted to the same sex, but they don't want anything to do with the, with the LGBT issue. And I think that's something that's not, well, when I've spoken to people, they can't sort of conceive of the idea that there is someone on that side that wouldn't want to advocate right. for that sort of thing. It really isn't a lack of awareness, really, of understanding Christians in general uh, to, to say that well, every single person who may have same-sex attractions would absolutely, without question, support LGBT symbolism in sports and stuff like yeah. that. It's um, It simply isn't the case. And I think that if we could go back to what Dr. Bryson said previously about, she had indicated, you know, she said, I love the military. I used to, you know, work for, the, right. I believe she worked for the Department of Defense in some capacity, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But this kind of leaves the door open for LGBT activists to be able to politicize right. our, our sports. Right. Well, it, what's funny is the first thing I th thought of when she mentioned this idea, but was applying it to the Chinese team, I don't think because there was an American there, but she said, well, what if you were on China's national soccer team and you're American, and then they want to promote the Chinese military, right? There's, right, in that, there's in that instance, be I would think Americans. that I would have a conscious objection right. if I was playing on the, on the Chinese right. team. Well, so, yeah, reason. and that's the thing is that some people, you'd think some people would say, well, I probably just wouldn't join the Chinese team in the first place to avoid the issues like that, right? We even have, I think LeBron James was in some hot water recently about making some 
comments about things going on over in East Asia related to governments. And right, so we always have this melding of the politics and the people because people are just going to have things to say, even if they're, you know, they have their soapbox and they're just going to say it. So it's difficult to separate. So what do you think is a sort of solution to all this stuff uh, for Christians that are in the sports world? Or are there any examples of something where you have teams or individuals who can sort of come together and to try and overcome getting into these sort of politicized weeds in the sports world? Yeah, well, for starters, I would encourage all athletic departments and coaches, if people of faith, that continue to live your faith out on the field. I was an athlete, and I spent most of my life projecting my faith whenever I went out onto the field, and Mm -hmm. I would hope that athletes and athletic directors and coaches would continue to do the same, because that's the only way that we're going to win this battle. Uh, Jaylene Hinkle did Mm -hmm. that when she stood up for not wearing the the LGBT flag on her jersey, and I think that she set a good example. She said, and I quote, God was calling me to just not wear this jersey on this day, mm-hmm. this LGBT jersey, and mm-hmm. I and I couldn't I couldn't say no to what he was calling me to do. More specifically, there an instance that I recall is back in 2017. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, who's the head coach at the University of Michigan football, also formerly the head coach at University of Stanford and of the San Francisco 49ers, he had been receiving some criticism because he had been putting too much emphasis on prayer. And that, you know, this typical thing that we see is that coaches are putting too much emphasis on prayer, and he was rubbing people the wrong way. So what he ended up doing was taking the entire team to Rome, to the Vatican. I believe they actually had an audience with Pope Francis as well, too, and they actually presented him with a, a small miniature Michigan's football helmet. But... All this to say that Jim Harbaugh in this instance kind of stood up for religious liberty in a lot of ways yeah. by saying, okay, well, you got a problem with me praying. I'm going to take all these kids to Rome, probably one of the most holiest <laughs> cities in the world, and we'll see how you, how you like it. Obviously, now, not all coaches, not all athletic directors in the country have this kind of, have the ability, have the uh, gusto or vibrato to do yeah. something like that, but I would encourage them to continue to keep that in all forms of, of competition. Mm. Uh, because at the end of the day, athletes know that their God-given abilities are exactly that. Nothing that we do on the on the court or the field or mm-hmm. the rink or the, the diamond, none of that that we do is through our doing. It's through, it's through God's doing, and it is our First Amendment right to be able to continue to live that out. Mm. Amen. One more question, in case you have something to contribute to this too, is that, because I just thought of it, a lot of people, a lot of my Christian friends who are really into sports, get into this debate about sort of, you know, hero worship with athletes and with their teams because they really like watching the teams and other people. I guess the problem that there is is not worshiping, not sort of idolizing the sport, not idolizing the players and that sort of thing. I'm sure you've sort of had run-ins with people telling you that sort of thing just because you watch sports a lot. And like, so how do we balance that and make sure that we're watching prudently and sort of following them prudently? You know, that's a good question. I have been, you know, in the past questioned of if my love for sports is, can go overboard sometimes or if, if, <laughs> if I get lost in it or if I'm obsessed or hero worship or any and stuff like that. And, and you say yes. <laughs> no, you know, I that certainly exists. And I think the reason why that exists is because sports thrives on competition, right? right. So there's nothing like competition in this world. Everything is, to a certain degree, has competitive elements, but the lack of knowledge when it comes to a competition, a big game, like the World Series going on Mm -hmm. or the College Football National Championship, it drives people, you know, they sit there with bated breath watching some of the most incredible plays made, and we're watching history every single day in sports. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes people get caught up in the drama of things, but I think it's important to remember that, first of all, Christ is king, and that's the important one. Um, But if you are asked, you know, if, if someone says, hey, you know, you 
follow sports too much and you're kind of a you hero worshiper stuff like that well my response and i and, and you and i you know this a little bit about me because we're mm. personal friends off we're pals off, off mic here but right. um you know it's it's to me it's more about i've been a competitor for so long that i can't stay away from it it's made me a better person mm, um right and every time i got on the field i you know i gave thanks to god first so as long as christ is at the front of it being a fan being an avid fan i think is a good thing amen it's an interesting thing to think about but i would just say that you know, competition drives all of us, and that, that hunger, that thirst for competition is, is something special, and it, uh, it doesn't really ever go away either, so. Absolutely. Beautiful. Om the Ryan, it was a pleasure to have you. Matthew Mandrachina, thank you for having me, Man, my friend. you're so good at saying my last name. Well. Sometimes I tell people, like, uh, like in this office, I've been here so long, and they, it's almost like they say it wrong on purpose. Well, you know, I have, I too have a confusing last name, Matt. And, and uh, Ryan, it's very and easy. And I'd like to tell you that you and I are like, Well, uh, it's not phonetic. We're, well. Come on now. Um, but uh, you and I are the uh, confusing last names here, but That's it's right. okay. It'll be okay. If you want to hear more from Lecture Me, go to frc.org slash lecture me. You can find it on any of the major podcast providers.